So last week we had a discussion of the pouring out of the seven plagues in chapter 15 in the book of Revelations. And this week I was supposed to release the discussion of chapter 16 that speaks of the seven bowls of God's wrath. However, I was unavailable to do so, so I will be covering it today. So I will begin with reading chapter 16 verses 1 and then explaining what this chapter stands for in the book of Revelation. So let's begin. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. Now moving on to verse 7. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and it was water dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits spirits that perform signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Now moving on to verse 15 says, look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in, in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumbling peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell on people, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail, because the plague was so terrible. Now... Let's start dissecting what the seven bowls of God's wrath stand for. So I'll begin with one through six. It says that the bowl of judgment are 
God's final and complete judgments on this earth. So the end has come. There are many similarities between the bowl judgments and the trumpet judgments. Okay? But there are three main differences. Three main differences. Number one, these judgments are complete, whereas the trumpet judgments are partial. Number two, the trumpet judgments still give unbelievers the opportunity to repent, but the bowl judgments do not. And number three, mankind is indirectly affected by several of the trumpet judgments, but directly attacked by all the bull judgments. The angel um, acclaimed God for his justice in dealing with those who had killed the martyrs. And this is going on to verse six. God's wrath may be hard for us to accept in a moral universe. However, God must ultimately oppose and destroy evil. So those who join the revolt against God suffer with their leaders. We must avoid the misconception that God must be fair and kind in his dealing with humanity. The, the, um, this view of justice is merely a projection of a human idea. Uh, people who believe this notion appeal to appeal to tolerance and forgiveness and assume that God must play by our rules. That is not the case. In reality, God sets his own standard of justice. He uses his power according to his own moral perfection. Whatever he chooses or he decrees is fair, even if we don't understand or like it. Those who rebel and reject God are not rejecting a lifestyle option. They are rejecting truth and justice, justice itself. Verse 7 is explained as this, the significance of the altar itself responding is that everyone and everything will be praising God, acknowledging his righteousness and perfect justice. Now, moving on to 9 through 21, we know that the people realize that these judgments come from God because they curse him for sending them, but they still refuse to recognize God's authority and repent of their sins. So Christians should not be surprised at the hostility and hardness of heart of unbelievers. I mean, we should not be shocked at all. Even when the power of God is fully and completely revealed, many will still refuse to repent. So don't wait until just the right time before turning to God. Do it now while you still have the chance. If you continually ignore God's warnings, you will eventually be, be unable to hear from him at all. And we do not want to get to that point. Verse 12 specifies that the Euphrates River was a natural protective boundary against the empires to the east, which included Babylon, Assyria, and Persia. If it dried up, nothing could hold back invading armies. The armies from the east symbolize unhindered judgment. Verses 13 and 14 dissected this way. These spirits of demons performing miraculous signs who come out of the Mouths of the unholy trinity unite the rulers of the world for battle against God. The imagery of the of the demons coming out of the mouths of the three evil rulers signifies the verbal enticements and propaganda that will draw many people to their evil cause. Now, moving on to the explanation of verses 15, 16, and 17 through 21, which is the last uh, uh, verse for chapter 16, Christ will return unexpectedly. And we can find that in 1 Thessalonians uh, 
chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. So we must be ready when he returns. And we can prepare ourselves by standing firm in temptation and by being committed to God's moral standards. In in what ways, and you should ask yourself this question, like in what ways does your life show either your readiness or your lack of preparation for Christ's return? And it's a question that we should consider especially now facing what we're facing in our nation alone today. This battlefield called Armageddon is near the city of Megiddo, which is south, I believe is southeast of the modern port of Haifa, which guarded a large plain in northern Israel. It is a strategic location near a prominent international um, highway leading uh, north from Egypt through Israel along the coast and onto Babylon Megiddo overlooked the entire plain southward toward Galilee and westward toward the mountains of Gilboa. So sinful people will unite to fight against God in a final display of rebellion and many are already unified against Christ and his people, those who stand for the truth, peace and justice and morality. Your personal battle with evil foreshadows the great battle pictured here where God will meet evil and destroy it once and for all. So be strong and courageous as you battle against sin and evil. You are fighting on the winning side. Now, I know that you guys probably don't hear much of Babylon, which is all over the Old and New Testament. But for more information on Babylon and what it represents in Revelation, you could also go all the way back to chapter 14, verses 8, because we spoke of Babylon in chapter 14. The city's division into three sections is a symbol of its complete destruction. Um, the destruction of Babylon, which is mentioned in verse 17 through the last um, scripture, 21, is now described in greater detail. So the great prostitute called Babylon represents the early Roman empire with its many many gods and blood of christian martyrs on its hands okay and in all honesty we need to consider our salvation on a continuous basis making sure that we understand that to be safe sanctified and filled with the holy spirit should be our primary concern especially now and be able to share that news with others and make sure that they know about the goodness of Christ is extremely extremely important God doesn't want any one of us to perish he doesn't want to lose a soul this is a spiritual warfare that is being fought out there and that's why there's a lot of churches and leaders calling out for prayer warriors and having prayer meetings for example my church Christ Fellowship has a prayer meet tonight so it's important that we get on our hands and knees and pray, pray for our country, pray for our nation, pray for the people, pray for the world, pray for everything that's eventually going to take place. And I honestly can't say when, but I have a feeling it's going to be sooner than later. So God bless. Next week, we'll be talking about seizing the final victory, which is Babylon, the prostitute on the beast in chapter 17 so stay tuned till then and we will be discussing that if you guys have any questions let me know any suggestions let me know until then i will get back to you guys on revelation 17 next week god bless